All right, how y'all doing this evening? Am I in a Methodist church? How y'all doing this evening? All right, appreciate y'all being here, and I know you're not here for me, amen, but nice to come to a local church, amen, that uh, loves the Lord, and oh, they had a great afternoon. Uh, Brother Muncy's wife made dinner for us, and that was a blessing, and I had seconds, wanted to take thirds, but I wanted to, I held, I held back from doing that, amen. Uh, we're going to be in First uh, Kings chapter 3, and uh, so I had good fellowship with Brother Muncy and his wife, and then um, on the way out, I remember he had said there was a festival yesterday, and I thought, uh, as I'm driving by, I saw some people going downtown, and I, I guess it's downtown, but so I thought, I'm going to see, Lord, you provide a parking spot, I'm going to go do some evangelism, so I thought I'd be 15 minutes, and, uh, and I go out, and uh, the first person I ran to give a track to is another guy who had tracks, and he was out there for the same thing. I don't know what church he's from, but a Baptist church. He knows Brother Muncie, knows the church here. and So ended up um, ended up witnessing, please pray for a young man named Daniel. I spent almost a half hour with him, and he was this close to getting saved. But I don't, I don't coerce anybody. I'll be firm that you receive or you reject Christ. Uh, but the Lord was really working on his heart and going through some hard times family-wise. And so who knows, he may pop in sometime here at the church. So... Uh, but that was a blessing, and uh, uh, so p- please pray for him if you would. So, all right, First Kings chapter three. Let's uh, stand if we, if you don't mind, Amen. And I do appreciate Brother Sam had mentioned. He said, you know, we start at five because that way, if you end at about eight, you're okay, Amen. So I appreciate that, you know. So, all right, sounds good. He'd probably be gone at you know five after, but six, Amen. But. I appreciate that. Appreciate the hospitality, the hotel, and just Lord's always good. Uh, uh, good when I'm here, Amen. So He's good anyways, though, right? Amen. No matter what, Amen. If I didn't have a hotel, didn't have anything, didn't have a, a blessing of Him, He'd still be good, right? But I sure like when He's good, otherwise too, Amen. So, all right, First Kings chapter three, if you would, we're going to look at some familiar passages today. And I want to preach a, uh, a message, uh, try to be straightforward tonight, if you don't mind that. Second uh, Kings chapter 3, the, or, I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 3. Bible says in um, verse 3, And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David, until he had made an end of building his own house in the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Now go over with me, if you would, uh, to verse uh, Three, it says, and Solomon loved the Lord, amen, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and burned incense in high places. So we love the Lord, but there was an area in which he lacked, amen? And then we go on, look at verse 5, and uh, Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give thee. And we know the, the I don't like to say story, because I'm not dealing with a fiction book, I'm dealing with the, uh, uh, the Holy Bible, so it's an account, is what I, phrase I use, amen? So look at verse 9, uh, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this, thy so great a people, and he, the speech please the Lord, amen? Isn't that what we're after? Please the Lord. Oh, I want, I want to please the, pre- please the preacher. That's a good thing, but what about pleasing the Lord? Amen. So please the Lord. Amen. So uh, then um, uh, verse 11, God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. So God was good. Amen. And so we're going to stop. We're going to pray and then we'll continue. Amen. 
Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with us. We thank you for your word. I pray for your grace. I pray for your strength. Give me clarity of thought and mind. Help us, Lord God, to honor you uh, in opening your word. I pray that you'd help me to be filled not with my flesh, myself, my pride, uh, but with the Holy Ghost of God. So we ask for your help, your grace, and your strength. Help us again to have uh, the uh, desire, Lord, to hear from you tonight and help us to not be focused upon dinner afterwards or any of those things. We ask you to be with us in Christ's name. Amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat if you would. Amen. One time I forgot that. It was like 20 minutes later and my wife's looking at me. Jim, you know, so. But I want to preach a message tonight called Blind Spots, Besetting Sins, and Battlefields. Amen. Everybody with me? All right, amen. So blind spots, besetting sins, and battlefields. So we see here where God had tremendously blessed Solomon and gave him wisdom. Now we're going to look at a few of the verses. Go over to chapter 4, 1 Kings chapter 4. And the Bible says this. Go to verse 29, if you would. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding, amen? I've been saved for about 41 and a half years. I still wish I had a lot more of that, amen? So, <laughs> but, uh, but look what it says in verse 29, exceeding much in largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore, and Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt, amen? Uh, now with, go with me, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11, Amen? You're all so quiet tonight. Did I miss something? Say something wrong? I mean, you're all so quiet tonight. 1 Kings chapter 11. So I appreciate the response this morning, and there's something to that about God's goodness. Amen? So anybody do what I recommended, by the way? Anybody write a list of five or ten things about how God was good to them? Looks like some of the young people. Well, that doesn't count you, brother. But uh, some of the young people, amen? So that's a blessing, amen? All right. So 1 Kings chapter 11, and uh, look with me, if you would, at verse 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Look at verse 4. For it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wife turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Verse 6. And Solomon did evil... In the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build an high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon, and the list goes on. So here we find a man that loved God, that asked for, he could have asked for riches, you know, for wealth and for things and all that, and he asked for wisdom. Amen? God gave him wisdom. Then we find where he transgresses, and already we see a, a, a problem right there at the beginning, but then it transgresses to a point where he ends up getting further away from the Lord. And then he gets to a point where it says he did evil in the sight of the Lord. So I want to preach for a few minutes on blind spots for the very first thing. And it's interesting, that but the definition, by the way, of blind spot is a portion of a field that cannot be seen or inspected with available equipment. An area in which one fails to exercise judgment or discrimination. An area where a person's view is obstructed. 
Now, when you think of a blind spot, first thing normally people think of is what? A vehicle, a blind spot. There's actually six places on a vehicle. If you really go by the the manuals and and all that, there's actually six places on a vehicle that that are considered blind spots. And share with you a fact that uh, some people don't know, and I didn't know until I was studying for this message. Every human being in the world has what's called an optic disc. Anybody familiar with that? If you all raise your hand. So an optic disc is an area in your eye that has a blind spot. Isn't that amazing? And so in the Christian life, I find after being saved for uh, such a long time, and I know there's a few saved out here longer than me, but, but when you look at it, in our life, it's easy to have blind spots, areas where we may be serving God or maybe our prayer life is right and we're evangelizing and we're studying the Bible and we're praying right and then we, we let a blind spot. There's something that we don't give enough uh, exercise and judgment towards. We just let it slide, Amen. You're, you're riding in a vehicle, you get a blind spot. And you think, the other day, it's funny, I'd already been preparing this message. And uh, a lot of the way I prepare a message is probably different than some people, but uh, a lot of the preparing message I do is up here. And then finally, the last day or two or three before I preach, I write it down, amen? And, and a couple of days before, a couple of days ago, I'm riding down the road and I'm, you know, doing this or that and, uh, you know, getting ready to go in the right lane. There's no car there. And I'm just ready to turn, and guess what? Boom, a car pops up. You see, it's easy to miss things in our Christian life. It may be that overall we're following the Lord, but if we're not careful, we will get blind spots, areas which we think, well, it's okay or it's not that bad, and we're not going to exercise our judgment properly the way we should. Am I right? Anybody else ever had that happen, or am I the only one here? It's easy for that to happen. By the way, what are blind spots? could be anything. It could be pride, could be lust, self-centeredness. By the way, I think that's one of the biggest sins in America today. I used to think it was more with young people. I think it's with adults as well, self-centeredness. It's all about me. No, it's not. I, my wife one time was just so funny, you know, and, uh, but I said something, and, and uh, she said, Jim, it's not all about you. And it's like, what a new revelation to me. <laughs> Amen? So thank you for that, ma'am. Uh, but what a new revelation. Pride, lust, self-centeredness, corrupt words, corrupt words. I have a very good friend. He's a preacher. He's a pastor. I've known him for over 20 years. Loves the Lord. I mean, just he'll preach, preach uh, like crazy, you know, and loves God. He's got about seven or eight children and, and uh, just loves the Lord. But guess what? He has a blind spot, and that is he lets a few words slip out now and then. Is it right? No, it's not. And, and I, I tried to have grace with him. He'd be at the house and doing this and that and tried to have grace with him numerous times. And, and my wife is like, you know, it really perturbs me. And I said, it does me too. And I finally had to sit down and talk to him. It worked for about a week. <laughs> but it, it, and you say, ah, oh, it's horrible. How can a Christian let words slip out like that? What about things we do? What about blind spots in our life? But Brother Lyman, you're at Landmark Baptist Church. We're a King James Independent Baptist Church. We're going to get into some of the things later about besetting sins. A lot of blind spots. Could be covetousness, uh, making money, position, vanity, shame, fear of man, gossip, unrighteous anger. Uh, Here's a good one. People love this. Violation of man's laws. I used to preach it, and I still do, against, and you may get mad at me, you know, whatever, but 
I used to preach against what they call them radar detectors. Well, she just go the speed limits. I mean, that just solves the issue, and it's 100 bucks cheaper. And if you want, just get, so you can all give me $10 for that, and you just saved a bunch of money, amen? But think about it. You know, if we're supposed to, see, we, we set the bar in the level where we are not guilty, Amen. I'm not in the bar room. Praise the Lord. I'm not committing adultery. Praise the Lord. But isn't it interesting? The Bible says to obey the laws of man until they conflict with the laws of God is basically what we read. But it's okay to go 75 and a 45. Amen. Am I right? I remember when I first got saved, God dealt with me about that stuff. I had a hot rod 1978 Camaro, the fastest I ever went, about 165 miles an hour. I remember going to upstate Lake, Lake, and I'm not bragging on that. It's only because of the Lord I'm not dead or in prison. But I used to go to Lake George, upstate New York. It was a two-hour trip from where we lived. I did it in an hour. My friend reminded me a couple months back, I talked to a friend I hadn't talked to in years. And he goes, remember that time we were driving by going to Lake George? And you were, he goes, you were going so fast, we saw a state trooper, and then he never came after us. We figured you were going so fast, he couldn't catch up to you. I don't know. But, but I, I was just, but you know, when I got saved... I got weaknesses you probably don't have. But when I got saved, that speed limit sign said 35. I wasn't going above 35 or maybe maybe one or two over. That's horrible. That's legalistic. No, it's only that way because we're not guilty or we we don't talk about all sin in our churches. That could be a blind spot for you. Amen? That went over well. Amen. So I had one guy in Pennsylvania, a good church up there, Brother Grove, one of the guys from his church. I said, uh, I said something about putting magnets on his car. And he goes, well, it wouldn't do any good. I drive so fast, nobody would read them anyways, you know, Bible magnets, you know. So, But some of you are not smiling because you're probably guilty of that. Amen. But, so, so I want you to think about blind spots in your life. So I don't have any. So here's a good idea. Those of you that are married, amen. Go home tonight and ask your wife, gentlemen, if you've got blind spots. Amen? Ladies, uh, ask your husband if you've got blind spots. Areas in which you don't properly exercise judgment. Or you let it slide. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm doing all these other things. Right? You know, it's funny. When we witness to a lost person, they'll say, well, I give to charity and I do this and I do that. And, and it's like, yeah, but that's, that's not salvation. You're, you know, it, it doesn't work out that way. Doing all those things doesn't take care of salvation. Well, guess what? If you're saved, and even though you're doing this and doing this and doing that, it does not mean that we should not exercise judgment about sin in our life and blind spots. So now go with me over to Romans chapter 12, if you would. Amen. Or Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Are you all tired? So tired because you're all doing evangelism tonight, today, this afternoon. I, I you know what? I, I went out there, out there witnessing to those uh, to, to those gentlemen. I noticed somebody behind me, and uh, there was a gentleman. There. I did not want to interrupt talking to this brother uh, or this gentleman. I was witnessing to sort of Hebrews chapter uh, twelve. So I noticed when you when you do a lot of preaching, brother Jim, some of you others have done this a lot. You get where you know somebody's near you. Amen. So I noticed somebody was behind me. It looked like two ladies and a gentleman. And so I'm, I'm trying to deal with him, but I don't want to rush. I don't know if they were talking, wanted to talk to me or if they were talking to, you know, just to each other and they just happened to be close to me or whatever. So I got done, and uh, then I noticed there was uh, two young ladies from the Sunday school class were out there, and, uh, and they, they said, hey, Brother James, you were at our church this morning. Could you talk to this guy too? You know, it's like, 
Sure, why not? You know, it was a blessing. It was a blessing to see him out there. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 12. So uh, look at uh, verse 1, if you would. Hebrews chapter 12. So now we're going to talk about besetting sins. Besetting sins. So Scripture says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And I believe that's referencing those in Hebrews chapter 11. By the way, I've not gotten loud so far tonight, so I hope you don't fall asleep on me, okay? Amen? All right? So some of you are going to make a point not to, so I don't get loud. Amen? Looking unto Jesus, oh, I'm sorry, let's look, and lay aside every weight, in the sin which doth so easily beset us. What is a besetting sin? It is a sin which is easier for you to yield to than other sins. It's something in your life that you struggle with. That it, can anybody relate to that? Anybody have a besetting sin? Be honest with me. Don't be Baptist. Raise your hand. Be honest. Amen? Well, we're going to get to where the rubber meets the road tonight. I'm going to tell you, one of the biggest, and, and there, it's funny, the, the list sort of matches the other one in some ways, because again, besetting sins can be uh, so many different things. I'm going to tell you, one of the biggest sins going on in our independent Baptist churches is immorality. And again, you say, well, not here. Preventive medicine is always good, Amen. I've been in King James Independent Baptist churches, sad to say, where you find out uh, shortly down the road that adultery was going on. You find out that grievous sin was being done. You say, do you know of anything? I'm not saying that. I don't know of anything here. But I know I wouldn't be a proper preacher of God's word if I left some things out just because I like you guys. Amen? And you, oh, we're not guilty of anything like that. I, I hope not. I pray, I pray not. But I know that the besetting sins out there of immorality and lust are absolutely horrendous in our world and in our Christian circles and in our King James Independent Baptist churches, sad to say. And so it's easy to have besetting sins, easy to have things that we struggle with. It may be other things, again, some of them overlap, but like pride. And we don't think of that as a big thing. God does. Amen. And, you know, and, and we, you know, I, I did this or I do that better than somebody else or, you know, he doesn't look as sharp as I do or, uh, you know, whatever. So uh, I don't have to worry about those things. Amen. I do get accused of being Tom Cruise once in a while, but I, I tell him that's not the case. But uh, but realistically, pride is it can be a besetting sin. Gossip. Boy, that's a big one. I did a message years ago called Little Foxes That Spoil the Vine. It was all those little things that we don't talk about. Well, I want to pray for somebody, so we're going to bring this up, and we're going to be specific. And we're going to, Are we doing it because we really care for them, or are we doing it because we like to gossip? And that can easily be a besetting sin. There's been times in my life, and again, I, I, I want to be transparent with you. In times in my life, I went through some very hard struggles. And I could not go to anybody. Because the only person I was close enough to go to where I would trust his confidence was a man who, if I did tell him, would tell everybody within an hour. 
And let me share something with you. If somebody goes to you and they, they open up about everybody else's sin or what they're doing or their gossip or their uh, whatever besetting sin, guess what? If they're opening up to you about that, they probably open up to them about you. Amen? I want to encourage you tonight to examine your life about besetting sins. And I'd say the same thing. Ask your spouse. Ask the one who knows you best. It's so easy to put the tie on and look sharp. And, and you know, uh, some people leave their ties off on Sunday nights, brother. But I'm just kidding. Amen. That's right. I, I, I think I know him well enough he won't get mad at me. Amen. But, uh, but, but, but seriously, the one, it's so easy to just put on this mask and go to church. I've said it before here. But what do we really like at home? I, I, I love my wife, and I love her sacrificially, and she's just so sweet, and I treat her like a queen. Honey, where's dinner? Amen? Am I right? Uh, honey, I, it's okay. I love you. I've got grace with you. But I said dinner at 5, and it's 5.03. Amen? We're treading on some very dangerous ground, I can tell. Amen? But ask the one who knows you the best. Be open. Talk to each other. Amen? Be a team, by the way. I've said that before. Your, your, husband, your, your husband's going to be flawed. Your wife's going to be flawed. Guess what? Be a team. Amen? You go through something. You're dealing with something, whatever. Talk to your spouse. Amen? So besetting sins. Look at what it says here. It says, lay aside the, sin, the, the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. That's up to you. In our circles today, we put so much on God sometimes, we leave us out of the picture. I do not mean that in a wrong way. But there is a responsibility we have as believers with God's help to do things. Amen? That's why the Bible says, He that hath this hope in him that Christ is going to return purifieth what? Himself. Amen? So here's an interesting passage. Look with me, if you would, go down to uh, verse 4. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. That's a tough passage. If you run into a preacher who says he's got an answer for every, everything in the Bible and has all the answers, you probably ought to start listening to somebody else. Amen? The more I study parts of my Bible, the more I realize I don't know. Amen? But this is a tough verse. But here's what I want to throw out about besetting sins is how much do we fight against them? Amen? Because what the devil wants you to do is he wants you to have a besetting sin to the point where you just think that's where you're going to be the rest of your life and you can't get any victory. And that's not of God, that's the devil. Amen? Because if the Holy Ghost lives within you as a believer, you can have victory. It may take a lot of work. You know, we live in a day uh, where there's no sweat, no labor, no toil in the Christian life. We live, it's that way in the workforce. It's that way at the gym. I started going to the gym a little bit lately. I know none of you can tell, amen? I started going to the gym. Well, when I was a kid and you worked out, I mean, if you could do uh, 10 curls uh, and you don't stop at 8, you did 10. Then you push for 11. Then you push for 12. Then you push for 13. And you sweat and you worked and you did it hard and you put effort into it. And if you didn't put the proper effort into it, you wouldn't get a lot of results, Amen? We used to do back then, again, old-fashioned days, uh, we did what we called suicides back then. So you take about, uh, somebody knows what I'm talking about, so you, you take a, a curl bar, and instead of 120, 150 pounds, put 10 pounds on it. 
or do just the bar. And you do it as many times as you can. You do the bench press. Instead of 300, 350, you put on there about uh, 35 pounds. You do it as many times as you can. You do it till it hurts. You do it till you're in pain. You, it, it, you know what? The Christian life is the same way. Oh, I don't want this sin. I don't want this besetting sin. I don't want this. I want to get victory. But how much effort, how much work, how much sweat, how much labor, how much fighting do we do when it comes to the sin that we say we hate? Amen? Interesting verse, verse 4. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Have we resisted? I I looked up all these commentaries. So I like to find what I, you know, my own self from looking at scriptures. Then I'll go to the commentaries and and see as a last resort to see what other people think. But just because a favorite preacher says something, that doesn't mean I buy it. Amen? Because this Bible's the authority. And it's amazing as I looked at this verse, how many people came up with all, I mean, I'm talking about Spurge and all these other guys came up with all these tremendous, uh, you know, spiritual, pious, uh, you know, ideas uh, of this verse. And, and to me, none of them made sense. But here's what I get out of this. Are you resisting against your sin to the point that, that it's almost like you're, you're uh, well, look how it's termed here, that you're resisted unto blood striving against sin? Go with me to another verse. Go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Look with me, if you would, at verse 44. And scientifically, it's interesting when you consider some of the things I'm going to look at. I'm not going to come up with some wild new doctrine. But there's a point of resisting so much that it's almost like drops of blood would be coming from your body. And again, I'm not trying to be some weird doctrine, but look at verse 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now, I'm not going to say you're going you're to have blood coming out of your body. Don't misinterpret that. At the same point, the Lord Jesus Christ prayed so hard that the sweat, the sweat was so deep And so intense, it was as it were drops of blood. So how much do you personally fight against sin? How much do you resist sin? Look with me, if you would, at James chapter 4. James chapter 4. You all right tonight? It's the third time I've asked you. I'm telling you, you're quiet. I don't know if I say, I've got to be careful. Sometimes I've said the wrong thing, Amen. One time I was preaching at a church and, and, uh, and doing a revival-type message or whatever, and, and, uh, and I preached, every sodomite goes to heaven! And uh, he's looking at me like, you're crazy. Uh, yeah, I said that, yeah. And of course, these are people that knew me, and they're looking at me like, I know what he meant, but, you know, so, smile. Amen. Thank God that our... Relationship with Christ or his, allow, his ability to work through a message is not based on the inerrancy of the preacher because he's not inerrant, amen? He's fallible, amen? So look at James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. You want victory in overcoming a besetting sin? Submit, therefore, to God completely. So if your attitude is, yeah, I've got a besetting sin, but... You know, yeah, I sort of want to get rid of it. 
You're not submitting, therefore, to God. And then look what it says. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Why do we not get the victory we should? Maybe we're not resisting the way we should. Amen? All right, now go with me, if you would, to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. I'll tell you what, start out, let's go to Job first. Go to Job chapter 2, and then we're going to go to Ephesians 6. So we looked at blind spots, besetting sins, and easily you could do an entire message on each one of those. But now we're going to look at battles, battlefields. Anybody here ever felt like they were being greatly tempted by sin? Let's, let's be honest. Anybody here fallen into sin? Times? What's the devil trying to do? And by the way, I do believe the devil is our enemy, amen? But I also believe that the majority of the time, the problem is not him, it's us. Amen? Oh, the devil made me do it? No, you probably did. Amen? You got a problem with liquor? Don't go down the liquor aisle. Amen? Hoping to get a whiff of what it smells like. Amen? Don't walk by the bar room. Amen? And so, uh, look with me, if you would, at uh, Job chapter 2. So what's the devil trying to do? Look, at, look with me, if you would, at uh, verse 4. And so it says in Job chapter 2, verse 4, And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. And put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. Let me tell you something. The devil is real. We know 1 Peter chapter 5, 8 and 9. I won't go there due to time. But the Bible tells us that Satan is, is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Amen? Satan wants to destroy you. That temptation you have with lust, with pride, uh, with adultery, with wrong thoughts, with gossip, whatever, what the devil is trying to do is destroy you. Amen? He's out to devour you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your testimony. Amen? He wants to get you to a point where you turn against God. That's one thing he wants to do. And I've seen it happen. I had a man that was a right-hand man for years on the street with me. And we'd go to all these events. He'd go around the country. He was a truck driver. He'd, he, uh, he, he discipled him for a while. He'd follow me all around the country. And so for four or five years, we talked on the phone every day. He was on the right-hand man doing all these events, Beale Street, Kentucky Derby, you know, all this stuff. And we'd, I'd bring in 20, 30, 40 people. He would help me to direct people. And he loved the Lord. He was faithful to God, a zeal for God. And I believe he was saved. Got to a point in his life, going through some different things, mindful somewhat of the message this morning. Last thing he ever said to my wife was he cussed at her. He walked away from God, got back in the world. He's probably, he was probably about 47, 48 years old, and he died at work about three years ago, four years ago. You see, we are able to fall into anything. How much are we resisting? How much are we fighting? See, the devil got what he wanted out of that man. And I do believe he was saved. Some may disagree with me. But, but the devil wants to destroy everything about you. And he'll lie to do it. 
And he'll use everything he can to do it. It might be a, 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 a I'm just going to be up front with you, it might be a half-dressed woman on a cell phone. It might be a woman at work that's a little bit too friendly with you. Amen? It might be a man a little bit too friendly with you, ladies. Amen? It might be a, a backing down on what truth is in front of people at work because we don't, we know we have a fear of man more than a fear of God. And, and all it takes, what did we see with the blind spot of Solomon? All it took was one little step. He loved the Lord, but there was this one area where he didn't give in. And then we find he got worse. And then we find he got worse and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. The devil got what he wanted out of Solomon. What's he trying to do with you? Destroy your testimony. There's some of you here, I, I, know, I have no doubt, some of you have gotten to know. You love the Lord, it's evident. I can see it on your face. And I have no doubt, some of you go to work and you're a bold spokesman for the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of you young people, same way. You know what the devil would love more than anything? To mess up your testimony. Amen? And, and, oh, you're being a little too close to that woman over there. But what, what, listen, the devil's not going to use ugliness to attract you, amen? If that makes sense. I don't mean just physical stuff, you know? But it could be emotional, amen? But usually the devil's going to use what appeals to you. And see, the devil knows what your weakness is better than anybody else. Your, your spouse may know some, but better than anybody else, your devil, the devil knows. And so that idea of, of being careful because of our testimony, because you may be a bold witness for the, for, the, for the Lord at work, and you may carry your Bible, and maybe your neighbors see you that way. I'm telling you, it takes one little slip, and guess what? That'll lead to another slip, then another slip, and pretty soon you are doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So not only is your relationship with God broken, but it will be with your family too. And it will be as a testimony to others. Amen? And by the way, sin affects your entire family. I don't care what your sin is. If it's pride, it will affect your family. If it's lust, it will affect your family. Amen? It will affect your entire family. You know that old saying, no man is an island. I'll, I'll say this, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think any sin is an island. It's usually attached to, to, to something else. Amen? So how much do we fight against sin? So we see what the devil desires. And I, I won't go through all the verses. First Peter 5, 8 is another one. You know, we looked at that. First um, John 2, I won't go there due to time. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The devil wants to destroy you and get you to curse God and walk away from God. He wants you to have a destroyed testimony. He wants you to have a relationship affected with God destroyed. He wants your relationship with, with, with family members destroyed. He wants your relationship with the body of Christ destroyed. The devil's real. And so here's what I want to look at. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. By the way, the devil won't make you do anything. He may put temptation in front of you. 
But don't, don't whine and complain about the devil putting temptation in front of you when you're the one, when you're the one putting it in front of you. Amen? We, we blame the devil too much. Amen? <laughs> I believe he's a real force, a real per, a, a being. He's real. But, but it's so easy. We, you know, we do the same thing. You know, what did Adam say? The woman that thou gavest me. Right? We do the same thing. Amen? Boy, some, I got some smiles with that one. Amen? We, we do the same thing. The devil you, that you put in your Bible, Lord, we blame it on him. And yet we, we are usually the ones guilty of putting stuff in front of us ourselves or not dealing with our pride or not dealing with our gossip or our mouth. Amen? What we need in our independent Baptist circles is to put away our pride and realize that all unrighteousness is sin. Because again, we're you, we would say, no doubt about it, homosexuality is a sin. And, if I would, and we could all get excited and say, yes, it's sin. We could all you know, raise our voice and shake our fist. Homosexuality is sin. It is sin. Amen? But how come we don't do that about the things that you've done that nobody else has seen in the last week? Or what I've done. Amen? That's why, it's not, is it not good to have a forgiving God? Amen? At the same point, our desire ought to be to please him. There's a track I saw out there. I didn't get to read it. I want to grab it on the way out. It says, now what do I do after I get saved? Tremendous thought. Amen? So look at Ephesians chapter 6 as we consider the battles. The battlefield, uh, uh, by the way, there's different battlefields. If I remember, I'll get to that in a minute. But Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So it's not just about, listen, it's not just about that woman who's trying to uh, approach you. It's not just about that man, ladies, who's trying to approach you. It's not just about that uh, mouth you may have that may not honor God. It may not just be about uh, the breaking of man's laws so casually. It's not just about that. You see, we have to look at the big picture because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Look what it says, the rest of the passage here. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So it's not just about a man or a, or a woman that are being covetous or sin or any of the things we've mentioned. It's, it's the big picture of what is Satan trying to do in your life if you fall. What's Satan trying to do in your life? See, it's that spiritual big picture. Amen? Look with me, if you would, at 2 Samuel chapter 11. No, I will not be 8 o'clock, okay, just to clarify. Amen? Second, it's probably about 10 minutes more if you can suffer that. Amen? 2 Samuel chapter 11. Most of us are familiar with this passage. It's, a, it's a, a very obvious passage about what goes on here. At the same point, I think a lot of times some things get misconstrued. So we're talking about battles. So look at uh, chapter 11, look at verse 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired all the time and kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him. And all Israel, and, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, and David tarried still at Jerusalem. So we've all heard messages on this, that David should have been in the battle, right? Amen? But let's go on here. Look at verse 2. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. From the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Remember what I would mentioned earlier? 
And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, and she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. One, there's consequences of sin. We see that in the next verse. And the battle and the argument goes on amongst Christianity about who was more guilty, but I'll just, I'll just phrase it this way. Gentlemen, no matter how a woman dresses, you're responsible for your actions. And that includes your heart, your eyes, your motives, and anything that you do. No matter what, have some self-control. Amen? And the second thing I'll say is this. Ladies, how about dressing in such a way? Amen? That you're not a stumbling block to a gentleman. How about that? Good. I'm not telling you what to wear or not to wear. I'm not, I, I'm, that's between you and the Lord. But, you know, if we just have a balance like that... And I know they say, you know, you read, we don't know, but I know all these commentators, well, the culture was for her to do that. And all that. I don't care. Regardless, if David was in his place, he wouldn't have been there to be tempted, amen? How many people have said, I'm going to skip church tonight, stop going to church, do this, do that, and then they end up in sin that night or that week? Amen? There's some about being in the place God intended you to be. Amen? And so we can argue all day long about who is more wrong or whatever, uh, but the truth still stands. Amen? And I get tired of, and I think there is a tremendous responsibility women have, because you don't know what men are like. Amen? And I've had some, some women say, oh, oh, I know exactly what men are like. No, you don't. Amen? And uh, you don't know what men are like. Amen? And you don't know where their thought life, right here amongst people in this church even, but I mean just the whole world, and we're permeated with all this stuff. You don't know how a man thinks, amen? And I would say, my wife used to get pastor's wives upset. I know she wouldn't, Sister Muncie, uh, Sister Muncie at all, but uh, she, would, she wasn't much on doing speaking and stuff, but she was asked occasionally to speak to ladies. And so one thing she would teach is on modesty. And uh, it's a very powerful word. We named one of our daughters modesty, amen? And so here's what my wife did is she would teach the ladies about modesty because they would ask her, could you teach about modest apparel or about responsibilities as a Christian wife or whatever? So my wife would say this, ladies, uh, what you're going to wear on top, what you ought to do is it ought to be so high, and I'm not talking about smothering you, okay, but it ought to be in such a way that if you bend over to shake somebody's hand at church, you don't have to cover up. You're already covered up. Amen. Pastor's wife in Chicago got upset because she commonly wore loose clothes. I'm not being legalistic. But she commonly wore clothing that you had to be careful to avert your eyes if she shook your hand. And she got upset. She goes, well, what I do is I put my hand there to make sure I'm covered. Why not just be covered anyways? Amen? And uh, again, I could get off into this stuff for a long time. But um, So Satan's goal is to make you walk away from God, not follow the Lord, destroy your testimony, hurt your family. Amen? So we have a lot of battlefields, so we're going to finish and I'll be in just a few minutes. Uh, look at Romans chapter 12, if you would. So we have a battlefield of the flesh, amen? We've already covered quite a bit of that. So we have a battlefield of the flesh. Your flesh, uh, and it needs to be, Pastor Munson and I were talking about this over the tremendous lunch that, that his wife made for us, but uh, Romans chapter 12, but, um, you know, we were talking about renewing, uh, you know, uh, our mind and and you know, so forth. Listen, there is nothing good about your flesh. Nothing. And this world wants to reform their flesh. It's not going to happen. Amen. 
And so as we deal with the lust of the world, or the, you know, the, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and all that, as we deal with things, because when we're looking at blind spots and we're looking at besetting sins, we're really looking at the same solution. And one of those things, the very first thing is to recognize that. Amen? To recognize that we have things we should be dealing with. I'm going to, again, be up front with you. Is there anybody here tonight? You know, based upon the word of God, things in your life and the preaching tonight that God has either shown you or you've already known that there are things in your Christian life that you should be dealing with and you haven't. Anybody? Raise your hand. I'm asking you to be honest. The battlefield of the flesh, battles with sin. What about battles over depression? Depression's a powerful, powerful uh, word, and it's out in the media all the time, and it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get depressed. It's easy to, to look back. If you're like me, I look on my faults and my failures, and if I'm not careful, I beat myself up. In fact, I do. And I have to go back to God, give it to the Lord, be thankful for his mercy. Amen. You want to be spiritual, I'll give you one way to do that. Sit down with me for about an hour, I'll give you all my I'll show you all my mistakes and all my flaws. And you do the opposite of that, you'll be D.L. Moody, Adoniram Judson, and Peter Cartwright all put together. Amen. <laughs> you learn from my flaws, you'll be godly, you'll be spiritual. Amen. I've got a lot. Thank God for his mercy. Amen. We have uh, worthlessness, failures, amen? Let me just tell you this. You look back at things you've done in your life, uh, and by the way, when you look at what Solomon did, that was horrendous. He was worshiping, he was building false gods, having them manufactured so they could worship them. Is that not, you see, we read this stuff and it's in our head, but do we realize how wicked and ungodly that is? Have you ever done anything or had something in your life where you thought, how could I do that as a Christian? You ever had that happen? How could I be saved and have that thought or do that action or do this or do that? Look what he did. Amen? He had all these battlefields, and the answer to that, by the way, is... To look back on your faults and your failures, learn from them, and realize the devil is the one who wants to keep you in them. God wants to lift you out of them. Accept his forgiveness, even as a believer, 1 John 1, 9, and press on. Give it to God. Amen? He doesn't want you to stay in your depression, your discouragement, your failures. He wants you to press on. So all these battlefields start in one place. And it's the mind. There's so much in our Bible about the mind. I'm sorry, I'm going to go a couple minutes longer. Romans chapter 1, I'm going to look at this and one more verse. But look at Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, uh, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You living a consecrated life to Christ? You know, now we see somebody like that and they think, oh, they must be called to be a missionary. How about that's what God expects of us as believers? Amen? But look what it says in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know where you get that? God's word, good preaching, godly music, mainly his word. Amen? So how's your battlefield with the mind? Amen? Are you bringing every 
thought that shouldn't be there and uh, subject to Christ. Amen? Last thing we're going to look at, uh, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Amen! Just so I wake you up. Amen? Isn't it good to be saved tonight? Come on, think about what you'd be doing before you got saved on a Sunday night. Come on, think about it. Doing things you'd be ashamed of, bar room, whatever, doing this or that, doing whatever pleased you. Isn't it good to be saved? You almost make me think you believe it. Amen? So you deal with a lot of this stuff, battlefields, battlefields of the mind, fighting with the flesh. How much are we resisting? Here's a neat thing to think about. If you're saved, remember this, your identity is in Christ. Because what the devil will have you do, he'll get you down so much in sin, especially besetting sin, where you think you cannot get victory, and then you're going to think that's what you are about if you're not careful. And it's easy to do that. And the, the, the right thing to do is, hey, wait a minute. I'm a child of God. I'm saved. Amen? And you, allow, you pick yourself up. You allow God to help you, and you start on the right path again. Amen? So here's something interesting regarding some of this that we're looking at. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I hope this is all coming together okay. Um, just wanted to, to bring some of this out. So we look at Hebrews chapter 11. What's Hebrews chapter 11 called? The what chapter? Okay, say it again. Faith. The faith chapter, okay? So we know it is the faith chapter. Everybody knows and has probably read this and heard many messages on it probably many times. But here's what I want you to think of. So as you go through battles, you're going to, as you go through battles, you're going to end up losing sometimes. You're going to end up being defeated sometimes. I'm not giving you excuse for sin. But here's something very interesting to think about that I did not realize until studying a few months back. Everybody here is guilty of sin. Am I right? Before you were saved, after you were saved, some of you after you were saved, probably a lot. Amen? I can tell you stories of people, that, things they did after they got saved, and you'd sit there and say they're, they're not saved. Our sal- Listen, our salvation is not based on our behavior, but it ought to change our behavior. And it's easy to look around and think about, how, what did they, I can't believe they did that. And they're saved? What about the thought you had last week? Why is it that, that, that going 75 in a 50-mile-an-hour zone doesn't seem that bad to you, but it does this and that? It's because we, we break down and we, 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 we degrade the holiness of God and what sin is. Amen? We go back to that speeding thing. You're all going to get mad at me. Amen? But here's something I realized as I read this faith chapter. How many times has God mentioned their sin in Hebrews chapter 11? Look at it. Tell me. David committed adultery, murder. Samson, sin, sin, sin. Many of these sin, sin. How many times has God mentioned their sin in Hebrews chapter 11? None! There's something to that. That positionally, so remind yourself as you go through battles and you may fail, that you are positionally in Christ as a believer, saved and sealed for all eternity. What a blessing. Amen? You cannot, if you're saved, you cannot be lost. That's why I go out in the street and I'm preaching. I'll mention hell and people say, see you there. I say, I can't go to hell. I can't. And they look at me like I'm a lunatic because I even get a little animated, believe it or not. Say, sir, I can't go to hell. Jesus Christ paid it all. 
washed my sins away, said, I'm going to heaven. Amen. Thank God for that. But if we would remember our position in Christ, that positionally God no longer sees our sin. Yes, we ought to live a practical, we ought to live right in a practical sense. I'm not refuting that. We ought to. Amen. But what a blessing to know that my position is in Christ. And people say, they, they argue all the time, and they'll say, well, you believe you can lose your, you know, you believe you can't lose your salvation. No, I, I don't believe I can. Well, you're looking for a license to sin. Really? I don't know about you, but me knowing I'm going to be with my Savior one day gives me a motivation to not sin. And yes, I do fail. Amen? So we're done for the night. So some of you can be blessed, amen, by a pretty early night, amen, if somebody can play. I don't know what God's, if God's dealt with anybody tonight, but you know me, I'm going to ask if the Lord dealt with your heart. If not, that's absolutely okay. It's not a numbers thing, it's not getting reported to sword of the Lord, hallelujah for that, and anything is fine. But let's be frank tonight. Some of you raised your hand about having blind spots. You got blind spots in your life? Things that need to be dealt with? Think about this. If you knew you had one week to live, one week to live, you knew you had one week, seven days to live, that by next Sunday night, you'd be in eternity. Is there sin that needs dealt with in your life? You'd say, wow, I knew that. I need to, I'm going to see with the Lord. I need to get things right. Blind spots, besetting sins. Some of you raised your hand. Come forward. Talk to the Lord. It's up to you. God dealt with anybody tonight. Let's mean business with God. We want God to mean business with us. Amen. I talked to a sister tonight, or earlier today, got cancer. Handling it right, handling it spiritually. You know, it's funny how we crowd to God and we want him to mean business with us when we need him. Let's mean business with God tonight. So God's dealt with your heart. If you raise your hand, some of you did setting sins, blind spots. This isn't a time to judge and chastise and I can't believe he came forward. He must be guilty of this. I'm not talking about that stuff. Let's make things right. Let's mean business with God. Battlefields, blind spots, besetting sins. Amen. Maybe it's vanity. That's a big one today. Whatever it is, thanks for the time tonight, amen.